Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. Hey guys, welcome to our first official episode. This episode is dedicated to Fall Out Boy. And I'm really, really excited to talk about it. I know. Our favourite. Our favourite. For years, I've said that Fall Out Boy are my favourite band, and I don't know if they still are. It's just something that I started saying like 16 years ago and I've just run with it ever since (laughs) they're the band you always go back to though yes no I still adore their music yeah well some of it it. (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I in the lead up to the podcast I've been listening to them a lot I went back to the very beginning and I've been listening to everything from the start like chronologically and I there have been some bits that I have just been enjoying so much and some bits that I have not been enjoying whatsoever <laughs> and some things I've heard from the for the very first time that I yeah th- this is something that's going to come from this episode is that they have released so much music it's outrageous yeah they are they went through a period of time where they were just banging out the tunes and they just bang out like everything like they've got two best of albums they've got loads of random Live stuff. stuff yeah we'll get to it this is going to be the history of fallout boy episode so this episode, I'm going to do the history of Fall Out Boy and Claire is going to chime in a little bit with her thoughts. And the next episode, it's going to be mainly Claire's episode talking about a different band and I'll chime in. So when we started this, Danny whips out an A4 envelope and pulls out these <laughs> typed up sheets on which she has written some notes. And I started laughing and said, did you just pull out these things from an envelope? And she said, well, yeah, I wasn't going to put them in my bag because they get dirty. <laughs> I can guarantee this will not be happening when I have to do my one. I'm a nerd, okay? I'm a nerd first and an emo second. (laughs) I do this weird thing with bands where I will either know every single piece of information about them from the beginning of time or I will know absolutely nothing about them. And for someone who has been calling Fall Out Boy her favourite band for the last 16 years, I really knew nothing about them. I mean, you know, we all know things about Pete Wentz, usually against our will. Um, But... (laughs) I didn't know how they started. I didn't know a lot about their personal lives. I didn't know a lot. So I really enjoyed researching this episode because I learned so much about Fall Out Boy. And how am I going around saying they're my favourite band and not knowing anything about them? I'm pretty... Yeah, I'd be the same though. I'd say, oh, I love Fall Out Boy. But I forget the names of the other two yeah. most of the time. <laughs> well, I know their names. Okay. It's not Pete and Patrick. I don't know. <laughs> so Fall Out Boy started in Wilmette, Illinois, which is apparently a very affluent suburb of Chicago. Mm. So they're from money. And Pete Wentz, as we all know Pete Wentz, I feel like he doesn't need an introduction, but he was in several bands. I feel like you might not like Pete Wentz. Oh, do you Just think? the vibe I'm getting? <laughs> this is my Pete Wentz rant episode. <laughs> this is, what's it called? The, the roast of Pete Wentz. <laughs> he was in several bands around the scene. He was in like kind of punk and hardcore bands. Everybody knew who he was. I know it's so hard to believe. <laughs> that he liked to be the centre of attention but he knew Joe Troman I think they were in a band together or several bands I don't really know that situation but they decided that they were going to start a side project and that side project went on to become Fall Out Boy because they were in the punk hardcore scene but they started to get a bit tired of it because they felt like it wasn't about activism anymore Fall Out Boy was supposed to be this kind of easy escapist band that wasn't you know political or that like didn't have a message it was just like kind of fun for them can I just say though I love when it's like we'll start this side project where I'm just thinking back to our band when like we didn't even have enough talent to be one band yet these are like we'll just whip out a side project <laughs> but they have talent Claire that's oh the wait difference. yeah yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so at the time, Patrick Stump, who in the process of this research, I learned that his name was Patrick Stumpf. Like with a H at the yes! end. Yes. And he dropped the H. <laughs> he dropped the H because it's hard to pronounce. So I presume it probably is just pronounced stump. But I just enjoyed that there was a H at the end. And now there's not. So he was drumming for a band called X Grinding Process X. Which is just a fabulous Sounds name. Horrific. Sounds like an MSN messenger like <laughs> name that you'd have. So he was dr- a drummer. And he was in a local bookstore. And Joe Troman was in there with his friend and they were having a chat about music. And Patrick came along and started being this little know-it-all and was like, oh no, this band, blah, 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 blah. And he like just wanted to talk about music. So the friend kind of got forgotten about, but Joe and Patrick started this massive music discussion. And Patrick knew about Pete Wentz because everybody in the scene knew him. (laughs) And I don't know how it came up. They started talking about the new project and Patrick wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to be involved with Pete Wentz because he knew Pete Wentz was like going somewhere. Can I just say that, would you absolutely hate to be that friend who just got forgotten about? Well, I don't even know that. Like maybe that friend didn't play an instrument. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, but you'd be right. (laughs) Well, you you watched magic happen. You watched Fall Out Boy become a (laughs) thing. claim to fame. So Patrick wanted to be in the band and started chatting to him and said, I have an mp3.com website, which I I know a lot of old websites. I don't know that website. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But he said, like, Joe, go listen to my music. And apparently on it, there was a lot of acoustic songs that Patrick recorded. So Patrick wanted to be the drummer of Fall Out Boy. But when they heard his music online, they were like, no, no, we want you to sing. So they were like, come and audition. And apparently Pete like wasn't into it at all, didn't like his music. And Joe was the one who really pushed for Patrick to become a part of the band. Typical Pete Wentz. (laughs) So they made him audition and they made him play songs from Save the Days Through Being Cool, which went on to be an album that really inspired Fall Out Boy's first album, Take This to Your Grave. And Pete really wanted Andy Hurley to be the drummer of Fall Out Boy because he was in another band called Race Trader with him, but Andy didn't want to. Andy was busy, he'd got things going on, and to be honest, he just wasn't really interested in Fall Out Boy. Over the first couple of years of Fall Out Boy, there were several different drummers until Andy actually became the drummer. But like basically from the start, it was kind of the four of them and it's always been the four of them. And then to decide on a name, they had loads of different names and they actually asked a group of their friends what they should be called. And Fall Out Boy is obviously inspired by The Simpsons from Radioactive Man and Fall Out Boy. I love how you say obviously. Obviously, everybody knows this reference. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they decided on Fall Out Boy and they went on to play a gig where Pete called them something else. And from the stories, he just said like some something really long and complicated, which would not be unlike Pete Wentz. And everybody in the crowd was like, no, you're Fall Out Boy. So Fall Out Boy stuck. And that became their name. Something that I really like is that because they were coming from the hardcore punk scene, Pete started calling Fall Out Boy Chicago softcore instead of hardcore. I don't know why. I always just really liked that. And I used to have a hoodie that said Fall Out Boy Chicago softcore on it. And it's like the biggest regret of my life that why I gave it away. Why did you throw that out? Yeah. Because I went through a phase in my 20s where I was like, oh, I'm not emo anymore. I'm a grown up. <laughs> and uh, here we are now in my 30s. Oh no. And I've gone full circle. wonder if you get one of them. Oh, I don't know. I should definitely look. (laughs) So they gigged a lot locally and Pete advertised them really heavily on early social media. That was his thing. So people kind of knew about them around Chicago and the gigs were getting like a really good reception. So Uprising Records contacted them and wanted them to release an album. And the problem was they only had three songs. Which, I mean, it sounds like something that could happen to our band. I was going to say, like... <laughs> Apart from the record label contacting us. <laughs> and only having three songs. <laughs> we had no songs. <laughs> 
we didn't get that far. We were still in the cover stage. <laughs> so yeah, they were like, okay, of course we want to release a record. What band doesn't? So they had two days to write and record the album. Two days? Two days. Oh. So Fall Out Boys and Evening Out Your Girlfriend is the album that came out of that. And they wrote and recorded it in two days and they hated it. I don't know if I'm going to... Danny actually has this CD, would you believe? And me looking Compact at it, like, disc. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I'm the biggest fan either. It sounds like it may have been recorded on like a Nokia phone. Yeah, I remember um, Pretty and Punk. I remember downloading that. I'm not going to say LimeWire because surely I'd matured from that at that stage mm, could have been the album came out in March 2003 I didn't buy it in 2003 I bought it years later after I'd gotten into Fall Out Boy I kind of went back and found earlier stuff it, it sounds like it was recorded on a potato there's no production <laughs> like there is like basically no production it sounds like your friends recorded an album in their sounds like our stuff recorded <laughs> Sounds like your friends got their Nokia out and started recording an album on their phone and just like did one take of every song and just were like, this is the album. The songs are good. It's the production is bad. The songs sound like Fall Out Boy, like more punky, more pop punk kind of thing. But definitely, you know, you can hear Patrick's vocals. He always sounds the same. It sounds like Fall Out Boy. And what I really like about this album is that you start to see the long titles for the songs. I was just about to say... Because the first like five songs are max four words. And then you have number six, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve words long. Yeah. <laughs> the world's not waiting for five tired boys in a broken down van. And they also have another song on a call, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, but I'm going to give him my best shot. <laughs> so they're kind of known for their long titles of their songs. And they like, I mean, this is their very first release and they were doing it straight off the bat, which I really like. And then... They do have the song Calm Before the Storm on this album, which they then re-released on their next album as well. So they actually had a big fight with the record label because they did not want this album to be released. They did not like how it sounded. They did not think it represented them. It was such a rushed, hurried thing that happened. So they kind of broke away from the record label a little bit. Then Andy Hurley came on board and they wrote Take This to Your Grave, which I think took two weeks. So (laughs) An Evening Out With Your Girlfriend took two days and then Take This to Your Grave took two weeks. And he was on from this album onwards. Now we have Andy Hurley in the band as well. They were signed to Fueled by Ramen, which was an indie label. They said, yeah, we want to release an album. And then whatever way it worked, An Evening Out With Your Girlfriend came out in March and Take This to Your Grave came out in May. Like I just can't. It's like Taylor Swift does that. She releases an album every month. Where do you get the... The ideas. I, I think it might have been to do with the label releasing it. Like they released t- An Evening Out With Your Girlfriend quite late. Like the band but had even, moved on and recorded a new album and then the record label released the album. Like, But even the fact that they wrote it in two weeks. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I cannot. Um, so they started to do a lot of gigging when Take This To Your Grave came out to promote themselves, obviously. And their shows were getting really good feedback and they went on to play Warped Tour in 2004, which is really cool. So Patrick wrote a lot of the lyrics on Take This To Your Grave and Pete fought him like every step of the way. There was arguments about it because Pete was like, no, I think we can make them better. And Pete wanted to change everything. Of course he did. Um, but I mean, I love this album. I, I would also agree with that. I think it's a great album. It's very pop punk. If you only know Fall Out Boy from their singles, I don't think you would think this sounds like Fall Out Boy. It's way more kind of just upbeat pop punk. So, and like the song titles and the lyrics, I loved the lyrics. They were really one of the first bands who started with all the kind of poetry almost in their lyrics and the big long names and the long words. And like you'd hear a lyric and you'd go, that's such a good lyric. Yeah, it's yeah. so, so clever. <laughs> the witty wordplay. That's, I think that's why I started calling Fall Out Boy. 
Fall Out Boy my favourite band because I loved what they were doing with the lyrics and then they had titles for songs on this album including sending postcards from a plane crash wish you were here <laughs> and Love. reinventing the wheel to run myself over which like <laughs> so self-deprecating <laughs> Love it. So then they did have a few popular songs off this album. They had Dead on Arrival, which was the first Fall Out Boy song I ever heard. I got it on a Kerrang CD. Oh. Mm-hmm. I really... uh, yeah, that, no, the first one I heard was, Where is your boy tonight? That is also from this album. <laughs> and then Saturday as well is another popular one from this album. I heard Dead on Arrival on this album and then I went to the shop and I was like, I need to buy a Fall Out Boy album. I really like the song. And when I went to the shop from under the cork tree was like on all the shelves because that was had just been released so I bought that and it didn't sound anything like Dead on Arrival but I that's how I got into Fall Out Boy. Yeah I think yeah their first album was definitely you wouldn't necessarily like their second album if you liked their first one. They're very different and I think that's the theme of Fall Out Boy. Every album sounds completely different to the last. Yeah. And I think I look at it in like there's an album for every mood that you have. There's always like a Fall Out Boy album that will suit what you want to listen to. That's a very positive way to look at it. I look at it <laughs> I look at it going, these albums are shit. These ones are good. <laughs> oh, something that uh, something that I learned about this is the very last song on the album is The Patron Saint of Liars and Fakes, which is a great song. And that was composed in drop D, which is kind of like a darker kind of key. And it kind of adds like a dark ending to the record. And Patrick wrote it, but it's not really in his vocal range. And he found it really difficult to sing. What they did was they recorded it in that key so that then the very first song on From Under the Cork Tree, our lawyers made us change the name of the song so we wouldn't get sued, is also in drop D. So it actually like connects the two albums. Oh. I don't know. I just fucking love shit like that. Like that. Have you tried playing them in succession? No. <laughs> <laughs> you love it so much that you... <laughs> but I went back to listen to what key it was in because I was like does this sound I don't know I just love little easter eggs like that that, like little clever things that just makes my life so yeah I like that little kind of lead in from one album to the next yeah we're gonna do that in our album (laughs) (laughs) and then in May 2004 they released this is when they start getting fucking funky with the releases so they've just they kind of don't include an evening out with your girlfriend you know in their music career they, yeah. they wanted to diss themselves from that so Take This To Your Grave is their first like proper album properly produced that's like where Fall Out Boy starts yeah then they released My Heart Will Always Be The B-Side To My Tongue which is a tiny little EP with five songs on it and it came with a DVD what and <laughs> oh hang on we're taking out the DVD I'm gonna take a moment here I because I have, have this. this in front of me and I don't think I've ever watched the DVD well, we know what we're doing tonight <laughs> How have I had a Fall Out Boy DVD for 16 What's years? on the DVD? Oh, oh, hang on. So it has the story, the videos, performance, acoustic, the cutting room floor, and then extras. I have never watched that DVD. I'm telling you now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Fall Out Boy DVD I've never watched. But yeah, like, why would you release your first album? Like, it's doing well. You're going on Warped Tour. And then you're like, let's release a little EP and a DVD. Like, Yeah, and the EP, like, it has songs that are on the next album. Well, okay, it has one song. <laughs> This is on Spotify if you're looking for it, but you'll find it under singles as opposed to albums because I thought it wasn't on Spotify and then I found it. It's it's only five songs, as we said. It's all acoustic. Bit of a me and Claire there going on. (laughs) Let's do an acoustic set. It has a cover of Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart, which I really like. It's a great cover. And I mean, everybody has covered that song, but I really think Fall Out Boy do a bang up job. It's an excellent cover. They also have an acoustic version of Grand Theft Auto Where's Your Boy, which was on their first album. Ours is better though. 
Yes. <laughs> no competition. We're better than Fallout Boy. <laughs> There's also an acoustic version of Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner, which they went on to put like the full version of that on their next album, yeah. Under the Cork Tree. And then there's a song very close to mine, Claire's Heart, which is my, my heart is the worst kind of weapon, which we covered in our band as well. We did. And then I just wanted to mention the other <laughs> song, purely because the title, it's also a good song. I really, like this EP, I love every song in this EP. Yeah, so do I. I really yeah. do. But the fifth song is called It's Not a Side Effect of the Cocaine. I'm thinking it must be love, which I just love that. Actually the second song, if you're looking at the back of this. Yes, but I meant the fifth song I'm talking about. All right, okay. Do you want to fight? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in between that and from under the cork tree pete wentz tried to kill himself so trigger warning for suicide and drugs and emo things i think like we don't need to put a trigger warning because i think no it's called emo it's really it's in there yeah (laughs) i didn't know this about him though so pete is bipolar and he attempted suicide he tried to take an overdose because of his mental health and the suicide attempt actually went on to inspire the song seven minutes in heaven which is on from under the cork tree So From Under the Cork Tree was released in May 2005, so a year after the EP and two years after their first album. They spent a lot longer writing and recording this. They actually had time to sit down down and spend time on actually constructing an album that they were happy with. They were, I think they were happy with Take This to Your Grave, but this was just like, okay, we're serious now, you know? We're an actual band. (laughs) I wonder what that feels like. (laughs) Hey! So this is when Pete Wentz decided he was going to write all the lyrics and Patrick could write the music. Pete exclusively wrote the lyrics on this. So this, the lyrics are a step up from Take This To Your Grave. They're a little bit more complex. I didn't know that. Yeah. I would have assumed, yeah, but now when you say it, it makes sense. When I think of what I think of Pete Wentz and Patrick Stump, I love Patrick Stump. I know, he's so cute. I just want to give him a hug. (laughs) So the name of the album is a line from a children's book called The Story of Ferdinand, which is about a, a bull who would rather sniff flowers under the cork tree than participate in fights. That is so cute. So that's where From Under the Cork Tree came from. So it's like. So rather than participate in fights, I presume they want to make music. I like that. And then the the artwork is a van in the snow and it's a nod towards the car accident that they had when they were traveling to the video shoot for Grand Theft Auto Where's Your Boy. Now, I would never have known that's what that is. Yeah, because it's like the back of black and white heads looking, it looks like a theater. Yeah. But what they're looking at is a van in the snow, which I don't think... It looks like a train to me. <laughs> I like have never really looked at it deeply no. either, to be fair. But this is my little trivia that I picked up in my research. <laughs> Two weeks before they went to the studio to record the album, they actually scrapped 10 of the songs they'd written and then they wrote eight more. I know, like they like to do things wasn't like well am i right in saying sugar we're going down is one of those songs that one they, of the eight songs that they wrote two weeks before they went to the studio like what pete wentz wrote it with his dad apparently oh yeah <laughs> so obviously this album was their big success this is when fallout boy kind of broke into the mainstream i remember buying this album in freebird do you oh remember freebird yeah. i think it's still there is it What's fucking... let's go find out yeah <laughs> Next to... week, a live episode. Claire and Danny investigate. <laughs> Does Freebird still exist? Still sell these things. I loved Freebird because that's where you'd go in. And if I'd heard a band, but I didn't know that much about them, I'd buy the album because it was so cheap. And I remember buying this album. And then my little cousin was born. So I was listening to it in my little discman <laughs> on the way to the hospital to see my auntie. And I always Aww. remember that. It sticks in my head. That's nice. Because as I said, I had heard Saturday and then wanted to know more about Fall Out Boy so when I went into HMV on Grafton Street which is my spot that I used to go to all the time to find music R.I.P. HMV R.I.P. I went in saw it all over the place and I was like okay Fall Out Boy and I picked it up and 
I, I listened to it on my discman as well. I remember listening to it on the bus home from town and I was like, yes, this is something. This, Bit of me. <laughs> I just, I knew it was different. It didn't sound like anything else I'd listened to and something changed that yeah. day for me. I was yeah. like, this is, this is it. Yeah. I have found it. <laughs> this is what I was looking for and I <laughs> found it. <laughs> yeah, my favorite band from then on. So yeah, obviously things really picked up for them then. They began to tour extensively and they started going international with their tours. They went on talk shows and award shows. They got a Grammy nomination for Best New Artist and Sugar Were Going Down won an MTV Music Award. So to think that they were just kind of a small band playing local shows and okay, they played Warped Tour, but then this was it for them. So then they obviously released more songs. So they released Dance Dance and then a little less 16 Candles, a little more Touch Me, which I always forget is a single. I didn't know that was a single either. And that's probably one of my favorite songs. Uh, they played it on Mary Park during the summer. I'd like to say I remember that, but I don't. <laughs> I had looked up the set list before the gig and I knew they were going to play it. And the second I saw that song on the set list, I was like, I'm going to die when that song comes on. I'm going to lie down in the mud and I'm going to die. And I, I pretty much did. Yeah. <laughs> Life cannot get better than me hearing a little less 16 Candles live. I was dying. So this is also the time their fame started picking up. And this is when Pete Wentz rose to fame himself. He started doing a lot of interviews and he started bringing up his suicide attempt and kind of telling his story. He started his own Decadence record label. He started a relationship with Ashley Simpson. So obviously they started to be in all the like... Pieces, pieces, pieces. That is a great album. (laughs) On a Monday, I'm waiting... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a really good I love that album that's I'm like sorry <laughs> but obviously then they started to be in the celeb rags you know like about their relationship and stuff like that and then there's Pete Wentz's dick pic I don't think I knew about this or maybe I how did out. you not know about Pete Wentz's dick pic I feel like that's more famous than him I might have blocked it out I wish I could block it out <laughs> did Sadly. you see it yes I've seen it <laughs> <laughs> and his fucking little bat that what? he has tattooed over his penis. Oh no. It's the little logo thing. I had to Google like the story about the dick pic because I couldn't remember it. So here I am Googling Pete Wentz dick pic. <laughs> Pete Wentz nudes. Pete Wentz <laughs> like my search history is in boots. Apparently the story is he had a sidekick like a really old kind of phone like a Blackberry kind of thing. I thought you meant sidekick like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like radioactive man and follow like boy. you're my sidekick. Like. <laughs> I'm your you sidekick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're dying for a scrap in this episode <laughs> first episode and we break up <laughs> no it was like a type of phone that was really popular at the time back in the day like like a blackberry or like one of those oh, right. things yeah, yeah. it was i think it was really related to the emo scene like a lot of emos had sidekicks that was kind of cool but anyway apparently it got hacked and that's how the dick pic got out mm-hmm. but knowing Pete Wentz, how we know Pete Wentz. I wouldn't be surprised if he let it slip himself like leaked his own fucking nudes yeah because why would you hack Pete Wentz's sidekick? I feel like there's a lot of other people's mobiles you could hack. Yeah. Or maybe he sent it to, you know, everyone he knew, which I just... <laughs> I'm being... I've, like, concocted a picture of him in my head and <laughs> I'm just running with it. Based on zero facts, Pete Wentz, don't sue me. I do remember, though, the first time I went to see Fallout Boy and I was really surprised that Pete Wentz just kind of took over. Patrick Stump did not say one word. Mm. And I was like, who is this lad? <laughs> I don't know you let Patrick Stump speak and I remember feeling like oh poor little Patrick now obviously Patrick Stump didn't want to talk or I'm sure he would have but I do remember being like oh I don't like this guy yeah I've never liked him ever so I did want to just I feel like we need to do a little segment about Pete just 
because just to get all your mm-hmm. anger out. It's a lot of fallout boy <laughs> is Pete. So let's just say Peter Lewis Kingston went the third. Oh Christ. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> We're going there. Peter Lewis Kingston Wentz third is his full title. His father is also Pete Wentz. And I presume someone else before that if he's the third. But his parents met in the 1970s while campaigning for Joe Biden's senatorial run. What? Which... I'm only including this because when Joe Biden was running for president, I know people were saying if it wasn't for Joe Biden, Fall Out Boy wouldn't exist. So I just think that's funny. Oh. <laughs> so that's why I want to include that. Oh, I love Joe Biden now. <laughs> he created Fall Out Boy. <laughs> Spread the word. I, I, like, I don't have much about his life or anything. I mean, I, Google it if you want. I don't, re- I don't really care enough. But I just wanted to talk about oh, like all... that bad, Danny. <laughs> I just want to talk about all the side projects he has and there is a quote which I was supposed to write down I didn't but Patrick Stump said something about Pete that was like if I look away from him for five minutes he's got like 30 different things going on and has made all these decisions (laughs) that could impact Fall Out Boy for the next year and like yeah he seems like the type of person where he just has to have something going on yeah he has to have something happening I mean I relate to that but it doesn't make me like him anymore So he started Clandestine Industries, which have produced books, clothing, merch. They did a collaboration with DKNY and Pete also was a model for that collaboration. He opened Angel and King's Nightclub, which now has two locations. And he did that with several of his friends from other bands. So I think it was people from Gym Class Heroes, The Academy Is, Cobra Starship. Like a load of them went together and opened nightclubs. 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 I just don't (laughs) correlate that with Folly Boy. Mm, Well... There what you music go. do they play at said nightclubs? I don't know. I didn't look into it that much. Fallout Boy? Let's go. <laughs> What's it called again? Angels and Kings. Hmm. Angel and Kings? I don't know. Okay, let's do We're a going. podcast road trip. <laughs> Live podcast. <laughs> so he also started his own blogging platform, like his own kind of form of social media that was called Friends or Enemies. And it was supposed to be some kind of VIP platform. And it started out with the bands that were on his record label. He put them onto this blogging platform so people um, would follow it. Where was our invite? I know. And apparently it went up to having over 100,000 users. So it was quite popular. And this was before social media was that big. Never heard of it. I never heard of it. <laughs> but it used to be like you could get an exclusive content from the bands that were on his record label if you this went there. Like but then, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was OnlyFans before it was OnlyFans. Probably get his nudes there. <laughs> That was an assumption I made. So yeah, his record label was DCD2. He wrote a book called The Boy With The Thorn In His Side. The name came from Marcy, obviously. And then he also came out with a comic, or I think it was like a couple of comics called Fallout Toy Works. The storyline is based on the song Tiffany Blues from Folio Deux, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, uh, he was, he is, I think, or was a TV host for a show called Best Inc., which I just think is so Pete Vance. Also, um, sorry, now that you've said this, flashbacks are all coming back to me. Do you remember he's on One Tree Hill? Yeah, that was my next point. He was on One Tree Hill. He had a recurring storyline on oh, that. Oh, he was actually Pete Winston. He was Pete it Winston. Was so cringe. And I've never been more embarrassed for another person in my I life. I think I was more embarrassed for Peyton. Yeah, having to pretend to love him. <laughs> So she said, my pen is the barrel of my gun. Remind me which side you should be on. And she said she thought that was really clever. Like that oh. was her line. And he said, huh, cute girl quotes me to me. Is oh. it wrong that I'm turned on? No. <laughs> oh. Like I will never forget that quote. It was no, the I'm cringiest dying. thing that ever happened. So he was on One Tree Hill. He was on CSI. He was on what? Californication. Like he's like, there was loads more things that I read online. And I just didn't want to start listing out I everything. I think Patrick as well. He was in Law and Order. Everyone was in Law and Order. <laughs> well, Pete Wentz has been in everything. And here is a cool little tidbit. He was supposed to be the love interest in Jennifer's body. What happened there? I don't know. Adam Brody got the, the role. 
Imagine him and fucking yeah, your one licking face. <laughs> That's a, actually that couple though seems like it could work. Yeah, two weird freaking gross people. <laughs> Sorry, Megan Fox, but you're weird. Ugh. So that's my little thing about Pete Wentz. Basically, he does everything. Whatever. <laughs> so then they went on to release their next album, Infinity on High, in February 2007. And this album is different. Mm. It starts off, Jay-Z opens like, the album. <laughs> I, and it just makes me want to die when I listen to it because, isn't he like, all oh, the critics. I'm like, oh, stop. The critics said never happened. And then he also, <laughs> he, Jay-Z goes, F-O-B. And F-O-B is the name of a test we do and work to test for blood in your feces so I just can't cope with it really stunning <laughs> I actually wanted to start this episode being like the critics said it never happened <laughs> and then I was like that's really embarrassing even for me <laughs> so yeah so like straight away when you turn on this album you're like okay this is different in terms of how different they go on other albums it's not that different no but compared to the first two yeah but it is it's a departure it is it's got more like funk R&B and even flamenco influences yeah to me, this was just, I think, I remember the um, video being on MTV all the time. And not that I hated, you know, the main scene or anything, but I just felt like everyone then knew that song and they just kind of went more commercial and towards, you know, the bigger crowd rather than us emos. Yeah, they went more so. mainstream. When the album was released, it actually debuted at number one in America. So that shows how popular they yeah. were, that their album just went straight to number one. Apparently at this time, Joe Troman came out with an autobiography and not at this time sorry he came out with it later but when he's talking about this period of time he said most of the recording process and the tours themselves for this album he was consistently high on a combination of oxycontin and morphine and had heaps of bong rips to fill in the gaps like he was off his face all the time and like something that explains it if we discount pete wentz completely i feel like the band's really uncontroversial i feel like they're very like wholesome weren't they all straight edge i don't know probably I think they were when that was a thing. <laughs> um, were you not straight edge? I was a th- I was a thing. I was straight edge when it was a thing when I was like 16, 17. But I'm yeah. pretty sure they were and I think one of them might still be but I don't know which one. I think Andy is actually. Yeah. Oh, he's a vegan. Is that the same? <laughs> vegan straight edge? It's yeah, same. I don't know. But you yeah, know, apparently like Joe has gone through a really bad time at this time and I was like, when I was learning this information, I was like, wow, I just always think of them as being just like unproblematic, like playing their little music. Yeah, They're like normal guys. Like- I, again, if we're not including Pete Wentz in the narrative <laughs> the rest of them I always just think as being like really these normal guys that just want to play music that but had no problems yeah, just, yeah there was loads of shit going on behind the scenes and what really surprised me in my research was that the very first single that came from Infinity on High was the Carpal Tunnel of Love which I didn't even know was a what? single yeah no I thought it was thanks for the memory no the first single was the Carpal Tunnel of Love oh I love that song I really like it I, but I did not know it was a single it was not a commercial success obviously because yeah. we don't even know <laughs> and then they went on to release this ain't a scene it's this a damn arms race scene. sorry i'm just adding these bits in yeah. case you don't know what songs we're talking about <laughs> i like i like the musical <laughs> interludes i'm not, not gonna lie i told myself i wasn't gonna sing because i knew i'd regret I just it can't help it <laughs> Be the one. so take it away so that peaked at number two on the us and uk charts and then they followed up with thanks for thanks for the memories which obviously was also huge everyone knows these songs and then they did the take over the breaks over and then they finally released i'm like a lawyer with the way i'm always trying to get you off which is the best name of all time it's so good like how are they so clever pete wins <laughs> just such a good name but yeah so they released loads of singles loads of success from this album what's your story with infinity on high i am not going to lie probably didn't ever listen to it fully through what i know until we said we do this podcast i was like better listen to it I just... you never listen to infinity on high 
I just couldn't get who are into you? it. I've known you 16 years and I don't know who you are. <laughs> what? There's, I don't know. So I'd listen to like the popular songs and then I'd just skip past them all. Oh my God. Now I have to say, going this back This album listen- like changed my life. Well, go back and listen to it now. I way prefer it now than I did when I was 16, 17. But I think at the time, compared to the first two albums, I was like, oh man, you sold out, you know? Whoa. <laughs> I can't believe you want to fight me so bad on this podcast. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> this album came out when I was doing my leaving search. I was 17 and I'd come home every day from school and I'd come up to my room to start studying for my leaving search and I'd put it on. And I spent most of my time singing along to the album and not a lot of time studying for my leaving search. But it was this album. I had a friend who lived in America that I met on like vampirefreaks.com or like something. <laughs> And me and her used to like talk on MSN Messenger all the time and she sent me a care package that had American Jolly Ranchers in it. And I remember sitting at my desk studying, eating Jolly Ranchers, listening to this album. That's the same time that I had my first love. I thought your first love was... Please, I've loved everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, my first proper like boyfriend who I like ended up losing my V card to. Oh, like spoiler alert. Liz, <laughs> spoiler Liz don't listen to this. <laughs> mom turn it off <laughs> yeah no it was my first like proper love and everything is tied up like when I listen to this album the memories I get of Jolly Ranchers and talking to this chap and yeah. like this chap <laughs> this chap everything is tied up in this album but this album was just I don't you know, know what it is. it's just come to me there whatever I don't know, even know the name of the song but there's a song where the first line is last year's kisses are these and I was like Ugh, what? It's and I just last year's wishes. Whatever. I um, and kiss. that's that's I'm like a lawyer. La, la, lawyer. Why can I not say I'm like a lawyer? I keep saying I'm like a liar. I'm like a lawyer with the way I'm always trying to get you off, me and you. I just remember every time that line came on, I'd be like, meh, next. I just didn't like it. And the rest of that song is actually okay. It was just that line. And that's the one that's like, me and you. I don't know the words. If I woke up next to you. I remember dating that guy that I was obsessed with and I remember like hearing that line being like if I woke up next to you I was like imagine waking up next to a man (laughs) (laughs) I was so innocent Uh, what happened? he became an incel oh of course (laughs) (laughs) the album title for Infinity on High came from a letter from Vincent van Gogh to his brother where he described describes his renewed health and says be clearly aware of the stars and the infinity on high cute i'd just like to know where on earth they knew this like (laughs) you know if we had to name our dmgi album we'd name it like i don't know wine or something wine (laughs) i like all men should die but where do they come up with these smart things i like no this is my one day i'll write a book and it might be an autobiography and it's going to be called fuck men Oh, but also, fuck men. <laughs> and I feel like from? we could call our album that if you want. It'll happen. We'll talk about it. You're <laughs> gonna have to make it an audiobook, otherwise, it's just gonna be fuck men, but fuck men. Yeah, but when you see my face when I say it, it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, like, I like that there's a little background to like the names of the albums and the. Yeah, and it's not just made up. Like the first thing they think of when they wake up. Or just like the name of a single or something. Yeah. Okay, so obviously this album was highly successful and they had to follow it up. So they came out with Folie Deux, which is very controversial. <laughs> I don't even remember this album. So this is where I fell off. 
And to me, it's wild. See, I've fallen off the last <laughs> album, so I just never got this far. What's wild to me is Infinity on High. I have such a relationship with that album. And it was literally, you know, the following year they released Folia Da. And I was gone. I was <laughs> off the train by then. Like, what happened between me being so obsessed with an album and then the next album coming out and me not even buying it because I didn't care? That's what they fell off the emo train. The album are great. Well, what happened was, years later, I would say 2013, 2014. So Folia Da came out in t- 2008. So like you're talking six or seven years later is when I got back into my emo phase because I had fallen out of the emo phase altogether. It wasn't to do a follow-up boy. Like I just completely stopped listening to music. When I came back to it and started listening to all the old stuff, it was really exciting because I had all these albums to listen to that I'd never heard yeah. before. And I listened to Folly in about 2013, 2014 and I fell in love with it. It's really good. And it's their most hated album. But that song, I Don't Care Live, is so good. <laughs> I don't really like I Don't Care. But I don't know, me and the singles always have like a tenuous relationship. (laughs) Because their fame was like so much and Pete obviously like had all these controversies and everybody knew Fall Out Boy and they had just, they had blown up like basically overnight. So when they were recording this album, they actually went really quiet and they didn't tell people they were recording an album. They didn't answer questions in interviews about the album. They just wanted to keep it as quiet as possible for the recording. But apparently the recording of the album was painful is how Patrick Stump referred to it as. They were fighting constantly. I just think that's so sad. But again, I always just think of them as like unproblematic faves. Yeah, exactly. And like, then when I was reading other. this, I was like, I can't believe they were all fighting the whole time. <laughs> Basically, Joe Trauman and Andy Hurley, they thought that Wentz and Pete like had all the control because they like did. Pete and Patrick wrote all the music and Trauman and Hurley like felt ignored. So eventually Joe Trauman had a discussion with them and was like, I want to be a part of this. I want to create the music, not just play it. So they gave him more control. So everybody had more input into this album. It wasn't just Pete and Patrick. Which is why it was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And it never should have happened. No. So Pete Wentz went and did this like viral online campaign to promote the release of the album. As I said, I was off the wagon at this time. So I have no recollection. No recollection either, to be honest. If you'd asked me, I would have said this is one of their more recent albums. Mm. Yeah, 2008, just like the other day. (laughs) Do you feel old? Yes. (laughs) But it was based on George Orwell's 1984 and the concept of like Big Brother's always watching you and all this, apparently. I... Oh, that's totally the vibes I got when I was listening to it. <laughs> well, that was the online viral campaign. I googled it and there was like loads of information. I was like, I'm not even going to get into it because I could do a whole episode on this. So we won't. But there was a, an online campaign. When it came out, it didn't get the commercial reception that the previous albums got and it didn't do well at all. And they released the single, I don't care. And that peaked at 21, which is really bad compared to like their previous yeah. stuff. So yeah. And here's a question. Was She's My Winona about Winona Ryder? I think it is, but I didn't look into it. So I don't know. I mean, who else would be about? <laughs> There's not that many people called Winona. So let's, <laughs> let's say that. So they went on tour and when they were playing songs from the new album, they were actively getting booed by the crowd. That's so People sad. hated this album. Hated it. I just think even if you hate a band, would you really boo them? I mean, they're clearly trying to live their best life. Like they were at the height of their fame and people were going to their gigs and just booing them when they played new stuff no like. I mean half the stuff they play when I okay half is a bit of an exaggeration but if I don't like a song when I go to one of their gigs I don't boo them yeah yeah you just like that's when you go in to pee <laughs> exactly you're like I'm gonna go to the bar now yeah you go get a drink you pee so there, this album had loads of guest artists it had 
William Beckett, Elvis Costello, Travis McCoy, Gabe Saporta from Cobra Starship, Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. Like there are so many people on this album. And what's really interesting to me, Lil Wayne is on this album. Pharrell Williams plays a synthesizer on one of the songs. Debbie Harry is on this album. And I don't think that's publicized. Debbie Harry's on this album. what song? Let's just check our notes. She does guest vocals on West Coast Smoker. Like, why is this not more publicised? I feel like people knew that. Because guaranteed the album doesn't say featuring. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild. Like, when I read that, I read it like four times. I was like, what? Random. (laughs) Who knew this? So this album, like, was massive. I suppose they were at the height of their fame, so they had the power to get all these people on board. But it's just mad to me. Yeah, now, as I said, I definitely like it much more now than I did back in... 2008 I didn't listen to it then <laughs> but to me this album I listened to it and I was like wow this sounds really different to Fall Out Boy and the more I listened to it the more I fell in love with it it sounds to me like a musical what? it's like a musical <laughs> where? explain your I don't know process. it's just like all the different instruments the way he sings the like way the songs are paced to me it sounds like a musical okay I'm gonna listen to that now and see if it sounds like a musical I too. always think of this as their like musical album like it could be a stage show like Fall Out Boy the musical could be in it you could be Pete Wentz <laughs> Oh great <laughs> But um, I love this And um, it's 100% the best album For putting on in the car And having a sing along to It is a journey <laughs> If you want to test your vocals Put this album on It's excellent So obviously with the reception of that They were kind of like What the fuck am I doing <laughs> Like people didn't like our album What are we going to do So they decided to release A greatest hits album As you do Which to me Hey I just... guys Remember us as we were <laughs> Well, maybe, but they've also, at this time, bear in mind, released three albums that they, you know, count. An EP, and then this fourth album, which nobody likes. So where's the thought process, let's release a best of? Like, who are you, Ada? Uh, so November 2009, they released that. It was all the song... Songles. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the singles that they had released until that point, in chronological order. Why? Wait, this is like where I'm like, Fall Out Boy just released stuff all the time. And like half the time I'm like, why though? Like, what? But are we saying why, why though in the, con- <laughs> in the context of Spotify where you can just make a playlist of all the singles, whereas maybe back then it was like a thing. Because yeah, you'd have just... to go and like swap CDs to put on the singles. I still don't see the point in this. I don't know why <laughs> it exists. I've never listened to it one time in my whole life. <laughs> And it did have one new song on it. Sorry, no, it had two new songs on it and then two like really rare songs that were hard to find. So they they went on to release one of the new songs which was called Alpha Dog. Never heard um, Limited commercial success. It wasn't a big thing. So then they released that in the November but just before that they, in the October... They played Madison Square Garden and that was to be their last gig before they took a hiatus. Everybody in the band was having a really hard time. I think Folia not doing well obviously contributed to that but they everyone had their own shit going on and it was not a good time. What age would they have been around then? No idea. Google it. <laughs> Some research are you So Patrick was at his heaviest weight and he started to oh. hate the fact that they were always being called like an emo band. He really started to resent that whole image. Oh, that's awkward. Andy was suffering really bad from depression. He said it was the darkest depression he'd ever felt in his life. And then Pete, who at the time had been abusing Xanax and Clonopton, he was also going through his divorce from Ashley Simpson and he was going back to therapy. Everybody was like really having a shit time. I said Andy. I didn't didn't talk about Joe, but like everybody was having a bad time. (laughs) So they took a hiatus and Joe and Andy went on to work on a new project, which is called The Damned Things, which is another band with Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian and Every Time I Die is Keith Buckley. I listened to them for the first time the other day when I was doing this research and they're very generic rock and roll 
I want to say Queens of Stone Age, but I don't think they sound like Queens of Stone Age. With just that kind of vein, like they're just kind of like rock. So not like Fall Out Boy at all. Oh no, not like Fall Out Boy at all. So it was three years later when Pete and Patrick got in touch again and started talking and they were like, let's do some new music. They got together. Patrick had actually tried to have a solo career in that time as well, but that never really took I off. I knew about this and he literally like made an album and recorded every single instrument, every single vocal all by himself. Bless him. Love him. So they, they met up and they tried to write some new music and then they didn't like what they were coming up with. So then they just shelved it, put it away. And then months later, they met up and tried again. And this time they started thinking like, let's reimagine the band. Let's not just go back and do Fall Out Boy as Fall Out Boy is known. So they didn't want to sound like the old them. They wanted a more modern reflection. They were older. They were like, okay, who's Fall Out Boy today at this age? Not like when we were teens. Yeah. So yeah, they wanted to sound more pop. And I didn't realise this was a goal for them. No, pop. They decided when to go pop. When you said pop there, I thought you were going to say posh. <laughs> they wanted to be posher. Oh, more no. elegant Fall than ever before. <laughs> so they recorded the album in secret. And then in February 2013, they posted a photo of the band around a bonfire in Comsky Park in Chicago. And they were throwing photos of their back catalogue into the flames of the bonfire. I do love how they do this Like stuff. I just love this stuff. Like yeah. all the little stuff. That makes the band for me. Yeah, rather, yeah. Even more than the music. Like I just love all these little things. So then April 2013, they released Save Rock and Roll. Save rock and roll. Just in case you didn't know. So the first single, My Song's Not What You Did In The Dark, was released in February and it peaked at number 13. But the album was released two months later and instantly debuted at number one. This, I do like this album. I don't. Uh, why did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> I, like, I listened to it a lot when it came out. A lot. Probably not when it came out, actually. Probably later. But what I just... What do you not like about it? I just don't know. It's Courtney, bitch. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I mean, okay, fine. I think they have Courtney Love on it and Elton John. Like, it's epic in some respects, but like the tunes, I'm just not getting behind. I feel like their first two albums, every song was a tune, whereas every album after that, you were like, mm, I'm just gonna like these few songs. And I do like the song with Foxes. Love that song. Really like yeah. that song. Um, and it was only a couple of years ago that I actually realized that they released a music video for every single song of this album. Again, what? I was sitting here one day and I put on YouTube on the TV and then I was like, just put Fall Out Boy in the background and I looked up their videos and they have, they call it the Youngblood Chronicles. And every single song in the album has a video. And I think they're like related. Did not know that. Like you can watch it like a, a story kind of thing. Well, I'll be doing that after I watch this DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not my fave. Definitely not my fave. I kind of get mixed up with this one and everything after it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it gets blurry. I, I find it hard to think of like what songs are off this album. So that was April. And in the October, they released Pax Am Days. Never heard of it. No, sorry. I've heard of it. Never listened to it. <clears throat> don't bother. <laughs> It's a hardcore punk album. Oh, yes. Or, sorry, it's an EP, but, but hardcore I they punk. Were Chicago's softcore. Well, this was a punk album. <laughs> like, a wide Like, just. This is where I'm like, why did they just keep releasing things? Yeah, it's like. I don't know, it's like all these ones that they've just had that are kind of crap that you wouldn't put on an album. They're like, let's just show it together and put it on an LED. But it's hardcore punk. It sounds nothing like Fallout Boy. Mm, it's literally like that kind of like shouty punk like yeah i can't think i haven't listened to this album recently yeah like that kind of vein it's eight tracks it's only 13 minutes altogether because they're just really short little punk songs if you're into punk you might like it more than you like fallout boy (laughs) but i just never really got into it and they called it a collection of songs we did for fun which sums it up but it's just like why (laughs) i don't know there's just like why do you always have to be releasing things all the time like yeah and that's i do think bands sometimes fall victims that where they think they have to release something all the time to stay relevant 
but you end up just releasing things that nobody really cares about. Save Rock and Roll did pretty well, so there was there was literally no need to a few months later release a punk album. Mm. It's it was like I know it's like they wanted to do it for their own enjoyment, but it's just like why though? Like I just <laughs> I just keep saying that because I'm like also what? they're probably they can afford to. Who cares? Like yeah. Well, I think I think that is it. Like who cares? <laughs> we'll do what we want. So then January 2015. They came out with American Psycho, American Beauty. Fun fact, they wrote this while on tour with Paramore. Did not know they ever toured with Paramore. Foreshadowing, maybe, for a future episode. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So before they even released the album, they'd put out the single Centuries and American Psycho, American Beauty. And then when the album came out, it went straight to number one again. Again, I would have said all these songs are on Save Rock and Roll. (laughs) You thought American Psycho, American Beauty did not come from the album American Psycho, American Beauty. Is that what you're trying to say to me? (laughs) Maybe. But they lost... They. they lost the whole thing about like the fun song names. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Mm. Do you like this album? No. Again, one of the ones I probably like more now than I did back then because they just kind of get stuck in your head. But not great. Not great at all. Like to me, I'm like, if the song came on, I'd be like, oh, June. But like when I think of Fall Out Boy and them being my favourite band, I'm like, oh no, that's not Fall Out Boy to yeah. me. Like that's not who Fall Out Boy are. Whoa. There's a lot of like woes and like nice. <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on. Like to me, I feel like centuries and no, I'm like mummy centuries. <laughs> that was a great song. <laughs> but there's uh, irresistible. Is that off a different irresistible. album? See no, it's mean? it's on this one as well. Like to me, that's the same song. Like they have loads of songs yeah, in this yeah. album that to me it's all the same song. Yeah, agreed. It's irresistible. Can you see why we made it so big? Stunning. I love this for us. So they released Irresistible and they released Uma Thurman as well as singles after the album came out. Uma Thurman is a bop. But I go through phases of this song where I hate it and then I love it and then I hate it. Yeah, I'd be the same. And this time around when I started listening to their back catalogue like from chronologically, didn't like it. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. And I thought it was a song I liked. I don't think I liked it when I listened to the album first but I'd probably like it more now. What is wrong with me? Am I just maturing? (laughs) (laughs) and then again with the releases they went on to release a remix album called make america psycho again i didn't bother i tried to listen to it like in the name of research for this and i knocked it off after two songs it just wasn't for me why would you remix it it is every single song off the original album featuring a different rapper on every track and like mm-hmm. a remixed version of each song. But why? It had Azalea Banks, Wiz Khalifa, Migos. It had all these really big names on it, but I do not see the point of it. No, I don't either. I've never listened to it. Can't I feel I like will. if you are a Wiz Khalifa fan, for example, this Who isn't is going to... Wiz Khalifa fan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's not going to get you into Fall Out Boy. And if you're into Fall Out Boy, you're not going to get into Wiz Khalifa. Like, I don't know what, what was the goal here. Maybe they're just going to be like, you know, everybody's friends. I just don't get it. <laughs> So then that brings us to January 2018 when they released Mania. I was heavily pregnant at the time when this came out and I had gotten back into the emo music and everything and then I was like, oh my God, follow up, we're going to bring out a new album. I was like, this is exciting. And I I really like this album. Controversial opinion. You must be the only one. Honestly, it's terrible. (laughs) It's only now that they're like talking about bringing out new music. Spoiler alert. That Twitter is like, once it's not another Mania. And I'm like, did everyone hate that? Because I actually like it. It's a song about milk or something, wasn't there? Title about milk. <laughs> or t- tea. Yeah. Yeah, stay frosty, royal tea or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, no, terrible, terrible, terrible. So this was more experimental. It's kind of like electro pop. Pete Wentz described it as a palate cleanser. 
He said, it's like when you clear the cache and erase the hard drive, which is really only something Pete Wentz would say. I was going to say, can you just speak normally? (laughs) Can you just speak like you're a human? (laughs) It is different. It's way more like... Crap. I don't want to say dubstep, but like in that vein. Yeah, I I, honestly, it's just forgettable to me. I couldn't name one song apart from that Milky Tea one. (laughs) (laughs) You can't even name that song. (laughs) So before the album came out, they actually released five singles off it, which is wild. So it's like, why bother release the album then at that stage? They released Young and Menace, which I, I really like that song champion hate that song champion to me could also be irresistible or centuries like to me they're all the same song they released last of the real ones that's a good song oh yeah um hold oh, me okay hold me tight or don't i love that song don't know it i remember it came on the car radio one time and i was like what is this doing on the radio i lost my mind and wilson expensive mistakes there's something really catchy about wilson it's named after the football in castaway I don't know why. Where do they get these things from? But you know, that's the one that's like, I'll stop wearing black when they make a darker colour. Oh yeah. And like, that is the most embarrassing lyrics. Like, I would have wrote that when I was 12. That I find that really highly embarrassing, but there's something real catchy about the song that it sticks in my head. They thought the album felt really rushed, so they pushed back the date that it was going to be released. It was supposed to be released in September. They didn't release it until the following year. I don't know. Not as I said, mis- mixed reception, mainly bad again skip past it but this is like pete saying this is like us clearing the cash we're like just getting this out of our system they're releasing something for the fucking sake of it that's it's like that's why, what it feels though? like with some of the stuff they release it for the sake of it don't bother they also had it like i didn't even write down everything they've ever released because like we'd be here forever talking about yeah. it they released a second greatest hits album at some stage believers never die part two they did a live album live in phoenix that's actually where the single beat it came from they, the cover oh, of michael jackson's beat that it. is good though oh yes, i just I love patrick stump's vocals okay you can have that like they just keep releasing shit and it's like why like can you not just save it and release like all good stuff like why release the shit stuff and it's like they release that and then Pete's saying like this is a palate cleanser and it's like like you know it's not good yeah yeah like you're not releasing it being like this is the best thing you've ever written you're just releasing it for the sake of releasing it maybe there's some people out there who are like this is great well I do like Mania but like the fact is they're bringing out this stuff and being like "Mm, this was just for fun and it's like well yeah it does feel very for the sake of it kind of thing sometimes and I just wanted to read this little excerpt from Joe Troman's autobiography, which is called None of, the, None of This Rocks, a memoir by Joe Troman. <laughs> but I just really like this little summary. So it says, for the first time in my short life, I can reflect upon my two decade career in my band with pride. The good, the bad, the disgusting and the abysmal. The embarrassing outfits, the unfathomable haircuts, the songs that have become classics for some, the ridiculous kissy face photos for teen rags, the interviews where I completely let my guard down and talked about being a pathetic spineless twerp. That time we played SNL and instead of trying to sound good, thrashed around like morons. Those times we got to play Letterman a bunch and that one time when Jay-Z introduced us on stage. That time I vomited inside our van all over everyone because I thought drinking an entire bottle of Bushmills was safe to do. I'm proud of it. All of it. Except the awful cover of the original Ghostbusters theme. Sorry. <laughs> That's so cute. I feel like you just talked about our lives. <laughs> when did you drink a bottle of Bushmills and vomit all over <laughs> our van? Smear of ice? I don't know. <laughs> Same thing, bro. <laughs> so that brings us to present day when Fall Out Boy are teasing new music, which <gasps> so exciting is due out the day that this podcast is released. So we can't comment on it. Yeah, we can't. But I am excited. I'm excited because they're doing the fun teasing. Yeah, which everybody is... loves a little tease. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so liked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> calling my therapist. Um. <laughs> But it is, it's, it does make you excited about it. And all these little clips and you're trying to figure out what it means. Yeah, they took out a full size ad in the, like a local Chicago 
newspaper, the Chicago Tribune, and it just said FOB8, like FOB8. And it says, if you built it, they will come. What does that mean? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like sending people postcards um, saying like, go to this website. And the website had pink seashell beach on it. And it was all like beachy themed. And then they have a shell that they sent to Ollie Sykes. And it said one of 13. One of 13 shells? So it must be 13 songs. Oh, I'm so clever. To me, it says that Ollie Sykes is going to feature on the album. Yeah, oh, well, definitely. But it made me think, is it one of 13 people that they have in the album? And there's going to be like 12 other shells for 12 other like guests. As long as it's not Elton John. But I don't feel like there's enough days. There's only four days before it comes out. So I don't. When is everyone else getting their shell? If that's the case. <laughs> Where's my shell? <laughs> yeah, so speculation. Is it going to go back to the original? Or is it going to be more mania? They, sh- they have released a short clip of the new song. And it sounds, everybody's like, wow, it has guitars. It sounds like actual Fall Out Boy. Fingers crossed. One can hope. One can hope. I'm excited though. I will be listening 100%. Oh yeah, I'm going to be there on the day. Wake (laughs) up in the morning, put it on first thing. So do you want to talk a little bit about your Fall Out Boy experience? My Fall Out Boy experience? Well, Fall Out Boy are one of the bands, when we were talking about this podcast, I was like, I've seen them at least five times, which is probably rare for one of the bands. But I do remember the first time I went to see them, like I said, thinking... Who is this Pete Wentz fella? Why does he keep talking? And the second time, I think was with you. I At that gig, there was girls who must have been 15, 16. And all I could think was, how do they know these songs? They must have been <laughs> in nappies when this came out. <laughs> this is your parents' generation. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's so cute that people that age, that I suppose it'd be like us discovering a band and realising they actually broke up 10 years ago. But it was so nice to see teenagers bopping along to these tunes when we were like in our 20s yeah because as I said I saw them last year in Murray Park yeah um, on the Hello Mega Tour and there was two girls standing in front of me who I would say are 10 years younger than me and when A Little Less 16 Candles came on and all the stuff like from the early albums the girls knew every word yeah. and I was like you're little babies and I wanted to sing along with them but they'd be like who's that fucking mother trying <laughs> who's to like, owl? <laughs> yeah. Why is that grandmother trying to join in with us? <laughs> and then they had that tour. So they had a tour where they originally announced Europe and UK gigs. So myself and my friends, not you. Um, oh, rude. <laughs> bought tickets to see them in Leeds. And then like a day later, they announced they were playing Dublin. So we also bought tickets to see them there. So we went to see them in Three Arena. And then two days later, went to Leeds. But were you at that gig? I was the Three Arena one, yeah. Professor Green supported them. Oh my God. I feel like I either blocked that out or didn't bother going. I don't think that I, like, I think I turned up after him. Like what? Why would you pick Professor Green? <laughs> Here's something that me and Claire were talking about the other day as well. I was like, I've seen Fall Out Boy play so many gigs. Like, yeah, maybe four or yeah. five. I've gone to see them, like, all the times that they've played here. And I have, like, no outstanding memories from any of those gigs. And I don't mean it in a way, like, I was blackout drunk. I can't remember a thing. Like, uh, nothing stands out to me. They get up on stage, they play their songs, you sing along, and you go home. And nothing interesting happens. I think what stands out to me is every time I go see them, I just, I don't care about, like, what age I am or whatever I'm doing. I just sing along. I just have the best time. And I couldn't care less if I looked like an L1 dancing along to all these old tunes it's just a good time that's fair that's really wholesome (laughs) (laughs) so wholesome also I remember Pete Wentz wore an Irish jersey and a skirt yeah at Halamaga which was unnecessary I was like why is he doing this I hate this man (laughs) why does he always need the attention on him why though and then I saw a video he played like I think Scotland like a few days later and he was wearing the same thing but like with a Scottish jersey I was like fuck you you traitor bitch (laughs) Shout out Pete Wentz, we love you. <laughs> Me and Pete, we need to have a scrap. 
Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, I've seen them so many times and I'm like, I just went, they played the songs, I sang along and I went home. And you loved it. I loved it. But yeah. I was never on the edge of my seat. Like, they get up and they do their performance. But it, I feel, especially, you know, we'll talk about it in a future episode, but especially coming from seeing My Chemical Romance this year. I saw My Chemical Romance and then a few months later I saw Fall Out Boy and they're both like contestants from my favourite band. And My Chemical Romance was so exciting. They were changing the, the set list every night. They were doing something different. They were having different chats every night. They were enjoying themselves. And I think seeing the two bands in close succession really showed to me that Fall Out Boy are getting up there and they're just like making their money. Yeah, because I feel like Fall Out Boy don't need to do anything else. Just plays the songs. We'll sing along, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Also, that could be the alcohol talking. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen them all drunk. No, I'm joking. But still. I still... No, I... But like, I would still go to see every yeah. gig they play here. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm still saying they're up there with my favourite band. Shut up! <laughs> but I'm just... I don't know. I do they don't know excite I mean. me the they're way not like exciting, I'm a But they're nostalgic. Yes. Yeah. I will always love them. They will always have a massive, massive place in my heart. But your heart will always be the B-side to your phone. <laughs> I love it! So we want to do something in all of our episodes called Songs on Repeat and Songs to Skip. We made it really difficult on ourselves saying that we could only choose one for each and you can't like do a joint first or whatever. You have to choose one song. Yeah. What is it? So my song to repeat. Yeah. So I really knew I was going to have a hard time trying to narrow it down to one Fall Out Boy song. And in my listening to all of their stuff in chronological order, I found a surprise winner in Fame is Less Than Infamy. What? Yeah. Sing it there. (laughs) It's the one that's like, I'm alright in bed, but I'm better with a pen. Because... I was listening to it and then I was like I need to listen to that again and I put it on repeat and I literally listened to it I'd say six times in a row and every time I absolutely bopped and I was like wow there it is there's my <laughs> song on repeat because it is literally on repeat I love that song oh, that's yeah. from um, Infinity on High yeah probably why I don't like it rude <laughs> I had a hard time picking this as well because to be fair I think they're all such bops and I'd probably repeat a load of them that's why we narrowed it down to one (laughs) for nostalgia's sake the one song I would never skip past and I would always listen to is Grand Theft Auto Where Is Your Boy has to be I know I'm going back to the original but I would just never skip past it if it came on I actually do skip that song sometimes oh my god why are we friends (laughs) I can't believe this podcast has divided us like this Once I hear it and it's like, where is Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah. And then it's like, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, what is your song to skip past? Is it that one? No, my song to skip is Sugar, We're Going Down. What? That is so controversial. I always have a bad relationship with singles because I always feel like they get overplayed. And it's one of those things that if someone's like, hey, what's your favorite band? And I'm like, Fall Out Boy. They're like, I love Sugar, We're Going Down. I'm like, no, dude, like yeah, <laughs> there is so much such better. A good song. Side note, did you ever see that YouTube video where somebody made a phonetic video? Yes. <laughs> and it's like the dinosaur. Lululura. <laughs> Lululura. No, I, I just... That is controversial. And and listening to the back catalogue now, like I do skip it when it comes on. I'm like, okay, we know this one. I don't need to listen to it to refresh my memory. Yeah, that is the most overplayed song. Came on. No, because I had this fight with myself because I, I was between Sugar We're Going Down and Dance Dance as being the songs to skip. Oh. But I was like, if I was at a party and both of them come on, I would have an absolute bop to Dance Dance. I would not have a bop to, to Sugar We're Going Down. Mm, fair. I just can't I mean, I'd it. lie on the floor and sing all the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be bopping while I did it. <laughs> oh, well, my one to skip past besides the entire Mania album mm-hmm. is the Elton John one. And I don't know if it's because really? Elton John was on it. I'm like, ugh. But I just, no. And they always uh, play it at their gigs. This. 
Desperation. Like, save rock and roll. I'm like, no, come on, skip past it. It's just, no, it just brings a downer and everything. They play it at their gigs. I'm always wondering, will they wheel out Elton John for it? And I never do. Wheel him out on his deathbed. <laughs> Elton John's not dying, but in my mind. <laughs> when you said wheel him out, he was yeah, in a I hospital bed for some reason. It's just weird. So <coughs> that would be my one to skip. Okay. Fair enough. Controversial opinions. Tell us your ones to repeat and ones to skip. And if you trust our music taste and think I am a good judge of character because we know Danny is not, Hmm? listen to our playlist to go along with this episode. Yeah, so if you go on Spotify and go to our page, Foundations of Emo, you'll find that we're going to do a playlist for every episode that we release. And what I want to say about the playlist is this is not their singles. If you want to listen to This Is Fall Out Boy, there are 8,000 playlists that have their singles on it. We're choosing some of our favourite songs from each album, from everything. Well, I'll choose some from Mania, Claire won't. <laughs> and it's just like our favourite songs from each kind of genre of Fall Out Boy. I wanna, like they are multiple genres. They are multiple genres. So yeah, it's, it's our little playlist of songs that you should know by Fall Out Boy. And we'll do it for each episode for each band that we talk about. So what are we going to do next week? Hmm. Do you want to reveal because it's your episode? Dun, dun, dun. I kind of regret this being my episode now after listening to the song they just released. Ooh. Next episode, we are going to talk about... <laughs> That's a drum roll. Where's our drummer when you need them? Paramore. So also very in tune with music being released at the moment. Not 100% sure what date we're going to release that episode, but if you watch our social media, we will obviously be talking about it. Our social media on Instagram, we are at Foundations of Emo. And on Twitter, we are at foundations emo because we had too many characters so follow us over there and we'll keep you up to date on when our episodes are being released and you know follow us on spotify and and wherever you get your podcasts hope that you enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening okay bye